It's Tuesday, February 25th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. The 2020 Democratic primary is in full swing, and the winner is still TBD. But one candidate is emerging as the frontrunner and is already counting up the delegates to prove it. Then President Trump just wrapped up a two-day visit to India, where the crowd went wild. Namaste, Trump. Namaste. We'll explain what that trip was about and why it might impact voters in the U.S., too. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders has been called a lot of things in his almost three decades in Congress. Radical, progressive, outsider. But there's a new word being thrown around in connection with the 2020 Democratic primary. Frontrunner. Bernie Sanders is emerging as the frontrunner after Bernie Sanders has cemented his frontrunner status. The momentum making him the clear frontrunner in the Democratic race for president. At this point in the race, just three states have voted. Iowa, New Hampshire, and Nevada. And combined, delegates from those states make up less than 3% of all the Democratic delegates, who actually cast ballots to pick the party's nominee. According to the Skims 2020 count, which, shameless plug, you can find at theskim.com election, Sanders only has a very small fraction of the nearly 2,000 delegates needed to win the nomination. But does that mean we're too early in the voting process to call anyone a frontrunner? Not necessarily. One reason is because Sanders has been winning. He's leading the popular vote in the Iowa caucus, even though the race there still hasn't been called. He won the New Hampshire primary. And last weekend, he cleaned up in Nevada, getting more than twice the support of the runner-up, former VP Joe Biden. South Carolina votes next, on Saturday. Polls have shown Biden leading there for a while, though Sanders is catching up. But sort of regardless of who wins South Carolina, the bigger event on the horizon is Super Tuesday. That's when Democrats in 14 states cast their votes. And it's coming up next Tuesday. Yeah. Once that day is finished, over a third of Democratic delegates will have been awarded. And in those Super Tuesday states, Sanders is doing really well. Almost across the board. Here was a report on the local CBS station in Minnesota, where even home state Senator Amy Klobuchar's lead over Sanders is down to just a few percentage points. 14 states, including Minnesota, will award more than 1,300 delegates. That's 34% of the total number of delegates. Polls show Sanders running first or a close second in all of these states, even Minnesota. Recent polls in Massachusetts even have Sanders beating home state Senator Elizabeth Warren. That election is also on Super Tuesday. If Sanders can maintain his momentum through next Tuesday, his early frontrunner status could quickly turn into an unstoppable delegate lead. Basically, Blink and this primary election could be over. Here was MSNBC's Ari Melber making that point last night. No matter who you may like, and no matter what DC insiders told you for months, the only gas that powers a candidate to the nomination is these delegates. Also helping Sanders going into Super Tuesday is money. In smaller early states, there's often an emphasis on the candidate physically being there, on the ground, shaking hands, and holding events. But that's almost impossible on Super Tuesday, when voters hail from huge states like Texas and California, or from states that are just really far apart from one another, like Maine and Tennessee and Utah. Which means winning Super Tuesday can come down to airing the most TV ads. Billionaires Michael Bloomberg and Tom Steyer have easily spent the most on ads. 
But Sanders leads the rest of the pack in ad spending. And he's actually been airing millions of dollars in ads in Super Tuesday states from coast to coast for months. By comparison, former South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg just started running Super Tuesday ads today. And Biden has yet to run any. For them or for candidates like Warren or Klobuchar, if they want to catch up, it would be expensive. And it might not be possible at all. So Sanders might be able to kick up his feet and watch the Super Tuesday victories come rolling in. But we've also got to mention one little detail about Democratic delegates that you might be hearing about. According to Democratic Party rules, in order to become the nominee, you've got to get the majority of delegates, meaning more than half. Just having the most isn't necessarily enough. Sanders may be in the delegate lead now, but the Democratic field is still really crowded. And those other candidates still have support and can keep winning delegates, too. Even if nobody can actually pass Sanders, it's possible that with all their delegates added up, Sanders won't get the majority he needs. According to the forecasting website 538, a Sanders majority, or no majority at all, are almost equally likely. This actually came up at last week's debate when candidates were asked what they would do if nobody got a majority. Sanders was like, forget needing a majority, the person with the most delegates should win. Big surprise, his opponents all seem to disagree. Insert tension and drama. Sanders' front-runner status and this question over delegate rules are likely to come up in the next Democratic debate, which just happens to be tonight. It's being hosted in Charleston, South Carolina by CBS and the Congressional Black Caucus Institute. It kicks off at 8 p.m. Eastern. You can also watch it on BET or stream it online on CBSN. For more on the candidates on stage, the delegate count, and all things 2020, head on over to theskim.com election. A red carpet, a troop of dancers, a big hug from the country's leader. That's how President Trump was greeted in India yesterday as he got off Air Force One. He was only there for a quick 36-hour trip, but he made quite a splash. Trump started off by hitting the big tourist spots, the Taj Mahal and the ashram where Mahatma Gandhi lived. And he gave a speech to about 110,000 people. It was his biggest rally ever. And the Indian crowd gave him a warm welcome. Namaste Trump! Namaste Trump! Namaste Trump! Namaste Trump! They're saying Namaste Trump, as in welcome Trump. The entire cricket stadium was packed with people decked out in Trump merch and cheering. The big purpose of the trip, though, was Trump's meeting with the Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi. They're talking trade. The U.S. is a more important trading partner to India than vice versa. But the stakes are still high for both of them. Back in 2018, the two countries traded over $140 billion worth of goods and services. But recently, trade talks have stalled. The drama heated up last summer, when the Trump administration got rid of something called preferential trade status with India. That status lets developing countries sell products to the U.S. without having to pay a duty or special tax. Trump said India was putting all these tariffs on imported goods, and that those tariffs meant U.S. companies weren't able to sell their products to India at a competitive price. So Trump said Indian businesses shouldn't get this special treatment in the U.S. 
And then India hit back with a bunch of tariffs on more U.S. products like steel and aluminum, and also food like chickpeas and almonds. Now, the two countries are trying to come back to the table and make a deal. Here was Trump last week before he left on the trip. Uh, we're not treated very well by India, but I happen to like Prime Minister Modi a lot. These two leaders are pretty similar. Both got elected to lead two of the world's largest democracies on a wave of populism and have campaigned on similar nationalist agendas, meaning they put the needs of their own country and people over helping others. The rifts caused by Modi's nationalist policies were on full display this weekend. Trump's visit coincided with violent protests over a controversial new Indian citizenship law that many say is anti-Muslim. The law grants Indian citizenship to some non-Muslim immigrants from neighboring countries that happen to have a Muslim majority. At least a dozen people have been killed during those protests, as violence between Hindus and Muslims in India got out of control. But at a news conference early today, Trump didn't want to talk about that or the new citizenship law. I don't want to discuss that. I want to leave that to India, and hopefully they're going to make the right decision for the people. But they did get to trade. Trump and Modi have similar policies for protecting their own country's products, rather than letting foreign competition in. So coming up with a mutually beneficial deal might not be so straightforward. But at his big rally earlier yesterday, Trump teased that an agreement is possible. I am optimistic that working together, the prime minister and I can reach a fantastic deal that's good and even great for both of our countries. Today, India agreed to a series of defense deals, including one to buy $3 billion worth of American military helicopters. But a separate trade deal isn't expected for a while. There are still a lot of kinks to work out, and last week, Trump said it might not be ready until after the election this November. Speaking of elections, that could be another reason why Trump's big rally was such a big deal. About 80% of Indian Americans voted for Hillary Clinton instead of Trump back in 2016. So when he was speaking to his largest crowd yet on the other side of the globe, he might have actually been trying to connect with a different audience back home. Now, some proof that maybe your mom wasn't lying to you when she said you could be anything you wanted. That's the sound of NHL's Carolina Hurricanes freaking out after a Zamboni driver, as in the guy who smooths over the ice, jumped into the game and helped them beat the Toronto Maple Leafs on Saturday night. After the first two goalies were injured, David Ayers stepped up as the emergency backup to defend the net. And he killed it. Get it out, Kerfoot. I'm in. What a save! That's one of eight saves Ayers made that night, thanks to the Carolina Hurricanes for that sound. One thing to know, Ayers drives a Zamboni as part of his day job, helping to manage an athletic facility. But being an emergency backup like this is kind of his weekend gig. He's had it for a few years, but says this was the first time he got pulled off the bench. And it paid off. He was named one of the best players of the night and got to keep his jersey. How's that for thinking big? And that's all for Skim This. Thanks again for listening and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you want to add the Skim to your morning routine, sign up for our free newsletter, The Daily Skim, right on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox.